Bibles this morning, the book of Genesis, the last chapter, Genesis chapter number 50, Genesis chapter number 50, and we come to the conclusion of the first book of the Bible, and we come to the conclusion of the story of a man named Joseph, and I want to share with you a message from the life of Joseph, and really the passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, that is the Old Testament equivalent to Romans 8, 28. A lot of us know Romans 8, 28, and what a great consolation this verse of Scripture is, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. There should be lots of consolation and comfort in our hearts knowing that God is sovereignly working in our lives to help us, to give us what's best. And in the life of Joseph, uh, he is a great picture of the fact that God uh, used the adversity of Joseph's life in order to bring about a grand purpose in Joseph's life and Joseph's family. And uh, he reminds us so much of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and reminds us of the way that we should respond to the adverse circumstances of life, especially as it involves family members, and other people, and being mistreated. In Joseph's life, Joseph suffered greatly. I'll give you a short rundown of Joseph's life. There's so many details of his life I love to talk about. But we'll begin with Joseph. He's a young man. He's got quite the famous father. Joseph's dad's name was Jacob, none other than Jacob, who later was called Israel. And Joseph was at the moment uh, the youngest of his brethren, and his older brothers were quite jealous of him. They, uh, he was preferred by his father. Joseph was the guy that his daddy made him a special coat, the coat of many colors. Joseph was a bit, I would imagine, I don't say this in a negative way, but he was a bit naive and very honest. And he talked to his brothers about a dream that he'd had. He dreamed that there would come a day when his brothers and his father would bow to him. Well, the coat of many colors and the dreams and uh, the prominence and the, uh, that Joseph had, it was something that drove his brothers crazy. They were full of jealousy and envy, and their pride caused them a lot of grief. The pride of Joseph's brothers should remind us of something. There's a verse in Scripture that I think is so important for God's people to remember. Only by pride cometh contention. Is there contention in your home? Is there contention in your heart and life? The Bible says there's only one place that that springs from or originates from, the seed of contention is pride. And so Joseph's brothers, rich with pride, they decide that they're going to do something about it. One day, Joseph makes his way out into a desert region to check on his brothers where they're tending to the herds and flocks of their father, Israel. And when they see him coming from a distance, they plot and plan to put him in a hole and let him die. God orchestrates that something else would happen. Their brother's in a hole prepared to die. They're coming up with a lie that they can tell their dad about him being killed by wild beasts. They put blood on his coat. And about that moment, a group of slave traders going to Egypt coming across the horizon, they have an idea. Why should we let him die when we could sell him and get some money out of him? And they sell Joseph as a slave into Egypt. I think about Joseph, a young boy. Most 
people believe he was a, a young teenager. Uh, we're not exactly certain of his age, but a young boy, young man. And I think about this young boy, young man being tied to a slave trader, trader's cart and being led off into a land that he'd never been to, around people who spoke a language he'd never heard. And he sat up on a podium and sold as a slave in Egypt. Can you, can you imagine that? He goes to the house of a man named Potiphar who is a ruler in Egypt and is a slave. And the next thing you know, Joseph has arisen in power and authority in the house of Potiphar until there's nothing that Potiphar holds, withholds from Joseph except for his wife. And finally, Potiphar's wife decides that she wants to have an inappropriate relationship with Joseph. And Joseph refuses and ultimately finds himself in prison. In prison, Joseph does well, and the next thing you know, he's uh, leading the way and has great uh, authority and opportunity in the prison as a prisoner. Uh, he's forgotten, spends a couple years in prison, and finally, Pharaoh has a dream. His dream needs an interpreter. The interpreter of the dream, folks had found out that Joseph was a special guy that could interpret dreams. and. Oh, there's so many awesome details of the story I'm having to leave out. The bottom line is, after being sold into slavery, after being sent to prison, lied on, after spending years literally in prison, finally, Joseph, full-grown adult man by this time, rises in power in Egypt until he is the second in command and God uses him and his wisdom to save the whole world from famine. It's an amazing story. A boy despised by his brother, finally a prince in Egypt and is used in a mighty way to save a whole world from famine including his own brothers and his father and his family. And that day, when he thinks back about his dream, that day comes to pass because his brothers and his fathers bow before him. Joseph. The way the story of Joseph and his family goes, when the famine came, Joseph invited his family to come. He let them know that, that he had not died, that he was actually the man that was responsible for saving Egypt and the world. And his brothers and his family all come to live in Egypt's land. And Pharaoh so favors Joseph that he allows Joseph and his family to live in a little piece of land next to Egypt called Goshen. Jacob's father, I'm sorry, Joseph's father lives out the rest of his days in Egypt, away from Canaan land. He lives the rest of his days out in Egypt and when he dies, they have a big funeral. It's an interesting read, the first 14 verses of chapter 50. It's a funeral and an embalming and a procession and uh, everybody gathers around. It's uh, kind of fun. It, you read the first 14 verses of Genesis chapter 50, and you can kind of begin to see where we get some of our tra funeral traditions. And they take Jacob, Israel's bones and body, and take him and bury him in his land, the land of his nativity, or his homeland, or the land of God's people, I should say. And... Now that Jacob, the father, is dead, 
Joseph's brothers, who sold him into slavery many years ago, Joseph's brothers are scared to death that Joseph, now that dad's dead, is going to seek revenge on their heads. And we pick up our story in verse number 15 of Genesis chapter 50. If you'll follow along with me as we read this together. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requit us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive me, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Now, I want you to see this interesting thing. So the brothers have a meeting. Dad's dead. We've buried him. We've come back to Goshen where all of our things are. And we know for sure, surely Joseph is a man of the flesh like we are. And now that Dad's dead, he's going to seek revenge on our head. And so they say, let's do something. Let's come up with a lie. They lie and say, Dad said for you to forgive us. That's the story. That's what we have in verse number 17. Dad says to forget you should forgive us. And not kill us and not hurt us. And look how Joseph responds when they accuse him. And they say, Dad says you should forgive us and not kill us. The Bible says Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Joseph said, whoa, whoa. That's not how it is. Verse 18, his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said to them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. The story of Joseph's life basically comes to a conclusion right there. Joseph lets his brothers know that I'm not God to seek revenge on your head. But I do know how God works. And he says, I want you to know something. The way I feel about all this is God meant it unto good. God meant it unto good. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to believe it. But I want you to understand something, that the worst that life throws our way is not something That has to destroy us. The worst that life throws at us, folks, I want you to know, God can and will and desires to use it for good. God meant it unto good. Let's consider three things this morning. Number one, I want you to consider this, the reality of human offenses. How many of you have ever been done wrong by somebody? Would you just raise your hand? Me too. Bless our hearts. I mean... It is terrible. Somebody did something against us. Somebody said something they shouldn't have said. Someone did something they shouldn't have done. The reality of human offenses, the bottom line is, folks will hurt you. How many of you be honest enough and humble enough to acknowledge that you have been guilty of hurting someone? If that's you, would you raise your hand? My hand is raised because I've done it too. Now, when we look at this story of Joseph, Joseph has a spiritual godly perspective on human offenses. 
Folks, you should live your life planning on the fact that people will disappoint you. We should live our lives understanding that people will disappoint you. I do my best not to disappoint folks, but along the way I have, and along the way I've disappointed many people. I don't like it. I don't glory in it, but I'm just a man. Human offenses are a reality. Now, Joseph was a man that experienced deep, dark, grueling human offenses. He suffered in so many ways. Pastor Sexton, Clarence Sexton, when he presented the me- a message on the life of Joseph, he-, he made two points I think are quite interesting. The first point was this, that Joseph was better off in Egypt. When we think about Joseph's life, we think about a young man, the son of God's chosen Israel. We think, wow, what an opportunity. And Joseph was special. Joseph uh, was uh, extra bright. Joseph had an extra connection with God. He had the right spirit. And this kid that was trying to do his best, guess what happened? He ends up getting cheated and hurt and harmed and sold as a slave by his own brothers. But the bottom line is when we look at his life, the human offense of being sold into slavery by his brothers and ending up in Egypt, he was better off in Egypt. God used what the devil intended to destroy him and what his brothers intended to use to seek their own revenge and satisfy their own greed and satisfy their own pride. God used it for for Joseph's good and for Jacob's good and for the whole family's good. He was better off in Egypt. Now, I know when you're in the midst of a human offense that it's hard to gain this perspective, but I want to remind you of something. When the things that you're dealing with are so deep and dark and devastating, you remember something. God meant it unto good. And whether you can see it or understand it at this moment, you know for a fact that God can use the darkest moment of your life in order to bring about the brightest day and the dawning of new hope and an opportunity to not only help you but to help other people around you. Joseph was better off in Egypt. Joseph ends up in prison. Can you imagine that? It's almost like Joseph gets to a place where he's like, whew, this is good. He's in Potiphar's house. He's done well for himself. For a slave boy, he's done real good. But the next thing you know, Potiphar's wife, the scoundrel that she is, has lied and cheated on him and told him, told stories on him and ended up sending him back into prison. But you know what the bottom line is? If we look at the story and know the beginning to the end, we know that he was better off in prison. And the same story, the same idea and principle applies. Look, you may be in a prison moment in your life, but let me tell you something, God can and will use it. You know what the devil wants you to do when you get in your prison situation? He wants you to feel so sorry for yourself and hate the people that have caused you the grief that you're bearing right now so much that there's no possible way that God by his Holy Spirit can comfort and help you and direct you and lead you In his path, he wants to rob you of the benefit and the blessing of the trouble that is in your life. He wants to ruin you, but God can use it for his glory. God meant it unto good. Old Joseph was better off in prison. How many of you Christian folks have been Christian for a while and 
saved and know the Lord. How many of you can look back at troubles and trials in the past in your life that God has used to ultimately help you? How many of you can testify that? I know I can. You see, Joseph, the reality of human offenses is they're going to happen. And Joseph was better off in prison. And Joseph was better off in Egypt. And God used them in a mighty way. Now look, when you're dealing with the problems of life and human offenses, will you remember something? God meant it unto good. God meant it unto good. I don't understand it all. But I know I can trust God meant it unto good. Number two, consider this with me this morning. The right perspective on revenge. The right perspective on revenge. Look what is going on in this story. Joseph's brothers in verses 15, 16, and 17 are really worried that Joseph is going to seek revenge on their heads now that dad's dead. Joseph responds by weeping. He's like, oh, guys, you've got it all wrong. Guys, you've got it all wrong. The Bible says in verse 19, Joseph said to them, this is so important you see it. Joseph said to them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? You see that question? Am I in the place of God? Now, Joseph has a perspective that all of us need to develop. Do you know what Joseph knew? Joseph knew, sure, you boys did me wrong long ago, but God meant it to good. He says, sure, you boys have been scoundrels. Sure, you boys have just told me a lie about what dad said. Sure, you've broken my heart that you don't trust me any more than you trust me by accusing me of being willing to seek revenge. But he says, look, the bottom line is, that's not in my heart. I'm not going to do that. He says, am I in the place of God? He says, that's not my job. To judge you. That's not my job to seek revenge on your head. That's not my, that's God's job. Let me remind you of something. When you decide that you're going to settle the score, you are trying to be God. When you decide that you're going to seek revenge, you are trying to be God. When you decide that you'll hold a grudge to the day you die because of what they did, You are trying to be God. That's not your job. Revenge is God's job. Remember what the Bible says about revenge? The Bible says it like this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Seeking revenge for life's wrongs is the greatest punishment that you can issue upon yourself. Because you take on yourself the job of God and you can't do it as well as he can and it's not yours to do in the first place. You know what God calls us to do? It ain't easy. But it's possible. God calls on us to forgive. God calls on us to forgive. Let me tell you something that will set you free. When you get to the place where you realize that God will take care of the people who've done you wrong, when you realize that God can t- will, will deal with that sufficiently and adequately and you don't have to anymore, that will set you free. One thing that we often pray, Lord, you saw that. It's not my place. You do something about it. Let me tell you something. When God 
settles the score. When God executes judgment on sin, he does it perfectly. God's called on us not to seek revenge, but to seek him. And when we seek God, God gives us peace. Folks, if you're trying to get even, you're taking on a job that's too big for you that you'll never accomplish, and the only person that will hurt in the process is you. May God help us. You see, the right perspective on revenge is, am I in the place? It's not my job. It's not my job. Have you ever got into a job that was too big for you? You start it, and you're like, oh, man, this is way too much. And you finally hired somebody that could get it done. And when you turned over the reins to somebody that could actually do the job, and you feel the relief and the pressure go away, <laughs> whew, I'm glad I let somebody else do this. Well, God says, hey, look, my job is to make things right. My job is to settle the vengeance issue. My job is to punish the sinner. Your job is to trust me. Look, that's not my job. Joseph said, look, guys, sure, I've got power and authority. And sure, I could do something vengeful on you. But he says this wonderful thought. Am I in the place of God? The answer is no. Are you in the place of God? Let me tell you something. If you're trying to get even, you think you're God. May the Lord help us. You remember something. God meant it a good. The right perspective on revenge. And finally, number three, reaping God's purpose. Reaping God's purpose. The reality of human offenses, the right perspective on revenge. And finally, reaping God's purpose. Look what the Bible says in verse 20. He says, as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph understood something and his faith becomes sight as we conclude this passage of scripture. Joseph saw what comes at the end of trusting the Lord. At the end of trusting the Lord, Joseph found out that God was faithful the story, I think I've made it somewhat clear, but Joseph's family, without Joseph being sold into slavery, sent to prison, risen in control in the nation of Egypt, uh, leading Pharaoh and his people to save up food for the coming famine. Without Joseph and all of his trouble, Joseph's family would have starved to death. And Joseph, he looks back on life, he says, wow, I would have never picked it that way slavery and prison and all this grief he says but God meant it a good and God had a purpose you know what's sweet I know for a fact that God has a purpose for your life God has a purpose for your marriage and your family God has a purpose for you and he wants to use you for his glory. He wants to use you in a very unique way, the way he's designed you. He wants to use you in the lives of your children. He wants to use you in the people that you work with. He wants to use you in your family. That's all of you. God wants to use you. And if you have the spirit that says, I have been so terrible,
terribly undone. You cannot be used by God to do what God's called you to do. And Joseph gives us an example of the fact that God gives us an opportunity in the midst of adversity to humbly face the adversity and deal with the sin and deal with the trouble and trust in the Lord and watch God do something great with it. God meant it unto good. He says, because of what you did to me all those years ago, God raised me up so I could save you and my father and the future. He says, it's good. It's okay. I'm reminded of this great verse in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. And be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Folks, I want to encourage you, do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing. And if you'll keep trusting the Lord, He's going to bring to pass. He's going to bless. He's going to help. And you're going to see that His way is right and good. God's faithful. We can reap God's purpose. He said, boys, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to feed you and take care of you. And I'm going to love you as my family without regard to what you did to me all those many years ago. Because God allowed all that to happen so I could rescue you and I could be a blessing to you. When's the last time you yearned in your heart to be a blessing to your enemy? Hey, you ought to try it sometime. You try to be a blessing. You, you strive to be a blessing. One thing is going to freak your enemy out. They don't know what in the world is going to go on with that. I was talking to somebody about playing football and uh, working against, playing against somebody. You know, these, uh, you, you, people, these kids, they talk about, they want to talk trash all the time. They want to, they want to act big and, and, and act mean and, and growl and say bad words to each other across the, the line. Well, when you do that to somebody that you're getting ready to hit, all that does is it charges them up. They want to hit you harder. But let me tell you, let me, let me encourage you, if you're a football player out here today or a basketball player, you're facing somebody on the opposite side of the field. Look at them and smile at them and say, how are you doing today? I'm, help them up and smile at them. Are you okay? I'm going to tell you, it's going to freak them out. I don't know what in the world. What's wrong with this? <laughs> the truth is, we, we like for people to challenge us because it's... But when we have the spirit that says, look, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to pray that God blesses my enemies. I'm going to pray that God helps them. I'm going to pray that God does something eternal through this trouble. God, you saw that. I'm trusting you. When we let God do what he wants to do and we take our sinful reaction out of the equation, guess what happens? We reap God's purpose. If you turn back just a few pages in Genesis chapter number 45, we'll bring this to a conclusion. In Genesis chapter 45, the first time that Joseph really reveals himself to his brothers, he's a prince in Egypt and They've not figured out who he is yet. And he lets them know that, hey, look, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. In chapter 45 and verse 4, the Bible says, Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Can you imagine when they realize, oh, my goodness, 
This is going to be a bad day. He looks at his brother. He says, I'm Joseph, who ye sold. I love those two words. Ye sold into Egypt. But only you see Joseph's next words, verse number five. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Do you know what Joseph's perspective was? He said, brothers, you sold me. It's a fact. But God sent me. God sent me. God has a purpose. And we're going to reap that purpose. We're going to see what God can do. I beg of you. I challenge you. Forgive that person you'd rather hate. Stop trying to prove them wrong. Stop trying to get the upper hand. Stop trying to win the fight. Forgive, repent of your own sin, and let God do the work that he's tended to do. And be like Joseph. Joseph said to his brothers, when they were scared that he was going to seek revenge on their head, he said, boys, it's okay. Am I in the place of God? No, I'm not God. He says, I just want you to know something. There were tough times. But God, God meant it unto good. And I guarantee you, folks, today, you can believe that. You can trust that. You can rest in that. That God wants to use your trial and your burden and the offenses in order to bring about his great purpose. God meant it unto good. Will you please trust him with that? Humbly trust him and wait and see. You'll find out God's always faithful. Let's pray.